I have learned how to be with my wife. We, we don't really need to speak very much at all. When I, when I do go home tomorrow for a very few days before I have to leave again, we have two chairs that we like to sit in. A little table in between those two chairs. Sometimes we just sit there. We don't say anything. Don't need to. Very comfortable. But we're not used to being with the Lord in that kind of a way. And we need to. We need to develop an intimacy with the Lord where we don't need to say a lot. And we know how to be with him. We know how to be in his presence, like this song that we just sang. And, you know, that's where we get captivated by his beauty. That's, that's where we get constrained by his love. So tonight, this title says, Living to the Lord by Enjoying Him. That's, that's how we're going to live to him. We have to enjoy him. And we use this word a lot, enjoy. Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy him? Do you enjoy being with him? The truth is sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And how do we enjoy him? Well, it's something we all know, but we don't actually know it that well. And that is prayer. It seems like we all know what prayer is. And if I asked you, do you pray? You all would say, yes, of course I pray. Let me tell you, or let me ask you, how do you pray? How do you do it? Not that easy to describe, is it? And we have a verse on the, under the scripture reading, Romans 8.26. It says, we do not know for what we should pray as is fitting. But how does it go? The Spirit himself intercedes for us. Right? Now, the first part of that verse says, we don't know what to pray. I'm pretty sure the Bible's right. So I'm pretty sure that we don't know how to pray. And the second part says that the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Now, when we say in the English language, when we say for us, you could understand it in two ways. You could understand it to mean that he is interceding concerning us, concerning our situation. He's, he's praying for us. But there's another way to understand for us, and that is in place of. He is interceding in place of us. Which one do you think Romans 8.26 means? First or second? It's a trick question because it's both. And um, 
That's right. In fact, in fact, since I am in South Africa and not Swaziland, I will quote a South African, Andrew Murray. He said, real prayer is the Christ in us praying to the Christ on the throne. And you have both of those in Romans 8. The Spirit is interceding within us, and Christ is on the throne at the right hand of God interceding for us. And listen, oh, wow, listen to this footnote. Listen to this one. This is Jim. Romans 8. This is the footnote on verse 34. In this verse, it is Christ who intercedes for us. Yet in verse 26, it is the Spirit who intercedes for us. These are not two intercessors, but one, the Lord Spirit. He is interceding for us at two ends. At one end, it is the Spirit in us probably initiating the intercession for us. At the other end, it is the Lord Christ at the right hand of God probably completing the intercession for us, which must be mainly that we will be conformed to his image and brought into his glory. Isn't that interesting? So I ask again, what is prayer? Uh, Brother Nee in the book, The Prayer Ministry of the Church, says, We need to guard against prayers which are not prayers. A lot of what we call prayers, a lot of what comes out of our mouth is not prayer. It's something else. Brother Nee knew that, which is why he made such a statement. Uh, So, the first thing I'm trying to convince you of right now is you don't know how to pray. Did I convince you? I want to tell you where this outline comes from now because I want to highly recommend a book to you. It's a long title. Get ready for a real long one. How to Enjoy God and How to Practice the Enjoyment of God. Man, we are the only people in the world who have a book with a title like that. You can't find that anywhere. Can you? How to enjoy God and how to practice the enjoyment of God. That's my kind of book. And chapter five of that book is titled, How to Enjoy God in Prayer. And it gives 10 points which are the 10 points listed here. Now, if you did not look at that outline, and I said, give me 10 points on how to pray, 
Kyle's think you could come up with 10. I'm almost sure you could not come up with 10. And if you did, they would be wrong. <laughs> but here we have 10 that are right. How do I know they're right? I tried it. I tried it. And I have been trying it. And I have been finding out not only are these 10 points right, they are in precisely the right sequence. You must pay attention to the sequence and to the points themselves. What's the very first thing in, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I have some time. I'm going to spend some time with the Lord to pray. What's the first thing I should do? I need to appear before God. I need to appear before God. In Psalm 42, the psalmist asks it as a question. He says, when shall I come and appear before God? What does that mean, to appear before God? If I had an appointment with the president, does South Africa have a president? Is that your system? Yeah. If I had an appointment with the president of South Africa, I would prepare for that. Because I'm going to appear before a person, an important person. Now, if I'm going to pray, before I even open my mouth, I must have a realization. I am about to appear in person to a person. Hi, Sangeza. You're a living person, aren't you? I must have the sense that I am appearing before this person, before I even get started. Then, the second point in how to pray, be silent. Say, man, what kind of prayer is that? Let me tell you, it's exactly right. Let's read the whole point. Being silent and calm, which is to stop our entire being. Before you can go, you need to stop everything. Before you can pray, you got to shut off the mind, stop it, push the off switch, shut off the emotions, shut off everything, stop your outward activity, but mainly stop your inward activity. Can you do it? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Let me tell you, you need a very strong spirit to stop your entire being. It is a strong exercise of the spirit to stop the soul. Something you have to learn how to do. 
Now, the book of Psalms has 150 psalms. And you could think of those 150 psalms as an ascending staircase. They all go up. The bottom step is Psalm 1. The top is Psalm 150. That's how the book of Psalms is written. And very late in the book of Psalms, when you get to Psalm 131, that means this is a rather advanced experience in the Christian life. It has, listen to this verse, it's one we're not very familiar with. The psalmist says, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Can you do it? You got to calm and quiet your soul. That's an exercise in prayer before the Lord. So that first thing, I am appearing before a person. I'm not just praying to God in heaven. No, no. I'm going to have a face-to-face -face meeting here with a person. And before I say anything, before I do anything, I need to calm down my entire being. My entire being. Then, then I should pray, right? No, not yet, not yet, not yet. By the way, one of our very biggest problems in prayer is that, first of all, we have one big problem, which is we think we know how to do it. And then when we do what we call prayer, we've got a big agenda. And we bring our agenda, we say everything we want to say, and then we say, Amen. And that amen means goodbye, I'm done, I'm done now. And we're awfully quick about it. This kind of prayer we're talking about takes time. You can't do this in five minutes. You know, the Lord in his God-man living, how many times does it tell us he went away to a desolate place, alone, to pray. And the night before he calls the twelve, Luke says he spent the whole night in prayer to God. We don't know what he, there's no record. Oh, and the other time he did fast and pray for 40 days. We have a lot of trouble praying for 40 minutes. Yeah, I did share this in the conference, didn't I? About prayer. 
not this, but I did talk about prayer in the conference. Um, I think I told you this, remind me, did I tell you this in the conference that the actual capacity of our spirit for prayer is unlimited? You find that out when you stretch it like a muscle. You go, man, my spirit can do a whole lot more than I thought. It can, it can. You know, our spirit is designed by God to do that, to pray. So it's really good at it once you figure it out. Uh, the third thing that we should do in our time that we're going to spend with the Lord is behold him. That's in Psalm 27.5. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. How do I do that? Do I use my eyes? No, you can't use your eyes to behold the Lord. He's invisible. But according to 2 Corinthians 3.18, we can behold him, and we should behold him. So what is that? It's a spiritual sight to, I mean, I want to spend time with Songeza. I got to look at him. I got to look at him if I'm going to spend time with him. I got to see that smile. I just love his smile. So in my spirit, with my spirit of faith, I need to behold the beauty of the Lord. Then number four, I inquire. Inquiring is not to ask him for something. Inquiring is the second part of Psalm 27.4, which is to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This inquiry would be something like this. Lord, what would you like to say to me? I'm here. I'm here. I'm right in front of you, Lord. Say anything you want to say. What is in your heart concerning me right now? What would you like to tell me? I have some things that I want to tell you, but you speak first. Just tell me anything. Or another kind of inquiry This is one that husbands and wives sometimes do. Lord, is this a good time to talk about this particular matter? (laughs) Any any married couples ever? You know, the timing's important. You got, yeah. If you don't get the timing right, you're in trouble. So it's better just to ask right up front. Would this be a good time to talk about this? 
See, we're not accustomed to speaking to the Lord as a person, are we? See, the way I just demonstrated, that's the way we might speak to one another. But our prayers are not like that. Our prayers are formal. They're religious. Do you ever say to the Lord, Lord, um, I'd just like to know what you want to say. We don't, we're not used to that. Try it. Uh, let me, uh, at this point, let me mention a, a testimony that I heard that very deeply affected me and helped me immensely uh, a number of years ago. Ron Kangas was sharing with us, and he said when he was in his middle age, he had a time with the Lord, and in his time with the Lord, he said, Lord, I'm just not really sure how to, how to be with you. And he said some of the same things to the Lord that I said at the beginning of this message. He said, I can't see you. I can't hear you. And my environment is not helping me to be with you. And then he just prayed such a simple prayer. He said, Lord, just shepherd me. Show me how to be with you. And then here was his, his testimony. He said, I found out that he wanted that much more than I did. Ooh, how about that? So he entered into that. Y you know, you all know the secret to getting your prayers answered, right? Okay, I'm going to give you no charge. I'm going to give you the secret how to get every one of your prayers answered. Would you like it? Well, maybe not. Okay, 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 okay. I'll do it, I'll do it. When my children were young, one day one of them said to me, Dad, everything we ask you, you say no. I said, hey, wait a minute. That's not quite fair. I think I've said yes at least once. I said, that, that's, that's, uh, that's not fair. And, you know, that's a child's mentality. But I did give them an answer. I said, here's the reason I'm saying no so much. You keep asking me to do things that I don't want to do. Now, if you would ask me to do something that I want to do, the answer will be yes. And then I gave them an example. I said, for example, you could say, Dad, would it be okay with you if I go to the full-time training? Would, would that be okay? I said, sure. 
Okay, it's a funny, it's a funny example, but listen. Most of what we ask the Lord to do, He doesn't want to do. He's not, he has zero interest in it. None. And yet we ask Him. This is what we want. He doesn't want to do that. He really doesn't want to give you a new car. He really doesn't. But if you ask Him, Lord, could you teach me how to spend a very intimate time with you? Oh, man. He's going to be going, I thought you would never ask. Now you've asked me to do something I want to do. I'm really not joking. That is the secret to having your prayers answered. Ask him to do what he wants. And how do we know what he wants? Well, Number one, it's all there in the Bible. If you forget it, just start reading and you'll remember it. But for example, you could say, Lord, today, this day, Thursday, dispense yourself as life into me. Grow in me. Saturate me with the Spirit. Fill me with yourself. Oh man, he's going. Exactly what I want to do. I was only waiting for you to ask. That's, it's, that's precisely what I want to do on this Thursday. And he will do it. He will. So I would suggest, you know, when... Whenever I share these points, when I get to the end, people get very subjective and say, oh man, I don't know what to do now. These aren't steps, okay? This isn't a, this isn't a formula. Okay, step one, I need to appear before God. Okay, how do I do that? Okay. Step two, be silent. Oh. No, 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 no. This is a pattern. This is a pattern from a brother who learned how to do it. And then he wrote an incredible book called How to Enjoy God and How to Practice the Enjoyment of God. Who writes a book like that? Oh. And then he tells you, this is what I've learned. These are the 10 things that I learned how to be with the Lord. Oh, wow, what a treasure. Okay, so we're on number four. We inquire, we inquire. And then after we inquire, now we're ready to pray. No. Wait, wait. Also from the Psalms, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. What does that mean? Well, you just... You just inquired. So be quiet. Let him answer. You just, it's like I say, uh, uh, well, you, you get my point. It's like I ask you something, and before you answer, I just keep talking. No, no, I just, I just asked the Lord if he wanted to talk to me about anything. 
I just asked him if he wanted to have any particular fellowship. What should I do now? Just slow it all down. You know, the biggest problem we have in, in, in this matter is we want everything to happen in five minutes or less. This isn't a five-minute exercise, okay? Um, slow. Go very slow. The slower, the better. Go as slow as you can possibly go. And then go slower. Because we're, we're just too fast. We're just too fast. Okay, then after or while I am waiting, I can muse. Musing is not what you and I normally refer to as prayer. Not at all. Musing. Oh, good, I put it down there. Hey, look at that. Sometimes I get it right. Psalm 119, verse 15, tells us the meaning of the Hebrew word, which we translate as muse. Almost every English version of the Bible mistranslates this word as meditate. It doesn't mean to meditate. Um, let me read you the verse, then I'll read you the um, uh, footnote. I, I like this. I mean, I even like the Old Testament type. Listen to what he says. I will muse upon your precepts and regard your ways. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. He was doing it. He was praying to the God he could not see and he said you know what I'm going to do right now I'm going to regard your ways how that's oh, beautiful okay muse uh, the Hebrew word for muse often translated meditate in the King James Version and elsewhere implies to worship to converse with oneself and to speak aloud. You're talking to yourself. People might think you're crazy. To muse on the word is to taste and enjoy it through careful considering. Prayer, speaking to oneself, and praising the Lord may also be included in musing on the word. You know, the word muse, the Hebrew word, uh, a very good equivalent of it is a, a word we don't use much anymore in English. It's the word ruminate. And cows do that. When animals do it, you know what it is? It means to chew the cud. That's to ruminate. But when human beings ruminate, it means to muse, to muse. And what is musing? Well, I just read it to you. So while you are waiting on the Lord, you might say something to yourself. 
and, and also included in Psalm 119, when we read the word, we may speak to ourselves. And, but while we're spending this time with the Lord and we're waiting for him, you might tell yourself, oh, wow, I'm so glad. I'm just so glad I could have this time with the Lord. It's just so good to be here with him. And I mean, what is that? Is that prayer? No, I'm just talking to myself. And then the next point, as spoken in the footnote, is worship. You know, that, that needs to come before any kind of requests, any kind of other things. If I, if I behold the Lord and I inquire of him and I muse upon him, what's going to come out is worship. I'm not going to say, okay, Lord, let's get down to business here. I'm running out of time. So let me get to my agenda. No, 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 no. No. You're going to just be, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I worship you. You are so lovely. You are so beautiful. You are so kind. You are so long-suffering with me. You, oh, I love you, Lord Jesus. Worship. Then, praise. Praise. Oh, Lord Jesus, I praise you. I praise you. Praise you for who you are. Praise you for your God-man living. Praise you for your death. Praise you for your resurrection. I don't know. I'm just giving a little example. We still haven't asked him to do anything. And we're already to point nine. We usually skip all the first eight steps. And we go straight to number nine. Hey, Lord, I got a few things we got to get done today. Let's get to it. Uh, and we just completely skip. So I come back to the, you know, the illustration of a husband and wife. When I see my wife, the first thing out of my mouth is not, hey, here's what I need you to do for me today. Could you go down to the store, pick this thing up for me? Oh, man. That's not, that's not going to work. <laughs> no, the first thing I do is I say, dear, I love you. It's so good to be with you today. I'm so happy I'm home for a few days. I'm not going to ask her to do anything for me. And if I do end up asking her to do something for me, it's going to be quite a bit later. I've got to spend time with her before we start talking about that stuff. So now, now we're ready. We have just spent time with the Lord. Now we're ready to intercede. Now remember the picture of the tabernacle. Have you got it? Hey, we got a whiteboard. We can do it. Let's do it. Let's just do it, shall we? Can you bring this board up, brothers, to the front so that I don't have to do it back there? 
just put it right back there if you would thank you okay <laughs> Uh, you all know the picture of the tabernacle in the Old Testament has three sections. We've got the outer court, we have the holy place, and we have the holy of holies. And within the tabernacle there are two altars. Am I right? There's one altar here right at the entrance. You actually can't get in without going to that altar. And that's the altar of burnt offering, also called the bronze altar, the bronze altar. Then there's a second altar right here, which is also an entrance. The bronze altar is the entrance into the tabernacle itself the outer court, and the incense altar is the entrance into the Holy of Holies. These two altars signify two kinds of prayer, two basic kinds of prayer, okay? If you read um, 1 Timothy 2.1, it says... Uh, First of all, uh, I can't quote it exactly. Anyway, he says, prayers, petitions, intercessions, thanksgivings. He mentions different kinds of prayer in that one verse. But I would say all prayer falls into two broad categories. See if, I, if you think I'm right. There's prayers of fellowship, like the song we sang, pray to fellowship with Jesus. And then there's prayers of intercession, which is to pray for someone or something. The altar of bronze, burnt offering altar, signifies the prayer of fellowship, prayer of fellowship. The golden incense altar signifies the prayer of intercession. And what's in between? Well, there's a laver. And then in the holy place, there's a lampstand and a table with bread, the loaves. All of all of this, okay, so first, I want, I want, I'm aiming for here, okay? Here's the ark. That's in the Holy of Holies. That's where I'm heading. But I can't jump from here 
to here. It's a very long distance. That's what we try to do. I'm out in the outer court. I don't care if you are an Olympic long jumper. You won't even get that far. You can't do it. But this is what we do. So I say slow down. There's a lot of stuff in, in between here and here. There's all of this. And what is all of that? It's fellowship. It's fellowship with the Lord. I'm going to come into the holy place. I'm going to eat the Lord. There's bread in there. And as I'm eating him, the light is going to enlighten me. You know, the lampstand signifies the light of the Word of God. This is the food in the Word of God. This is the light in the Word of God. I'm going to get in there and fellowship with the Lord. I'm going to eat the Lord. I'm going to receive His shining. And then He and I are going to have a talk. we got a lot to talk about. Because when the light comes, I realize all kinds of stuff that I need to take care of with him. Uh, so, all of this, before I get to the golden incense altar, it's the first eight points on here. It's the first eight points. It's our fellowship with him. It's our enjoyment of him. It's our spending time with him. Then, then I can intercede. And this interceding, you notice the reference there. It's Genesis 18. The story in Genesis 18, very wonderful. Abraham and Sarah are at home in their tent, and three visitors come. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Three visitors come. Two of them are angels, and the third one is the Lord. By the way, when you read the Bible, you have to understand something. The Bible doesn't pay any attention to time. The Bible is the eternal view. So, you know, first time I read that, I said, wait a minute, that can't be the Lord because he wasn't incarnated yet in Genesis chapter 18. Uh. <laughs> yeah. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. You were chosen before you were born. In fact, you, you got regenerated before you were born. You got regenerated on the day that Christ resurrected. So... You know, God knows how to do this stuff outside of time. He invented time. Uh, there used to be an astrophysicist in the UK. He passed away. His name was Stephen Hawking, a famous atheist. He wrote a book called A Brief History of Time. Anybody read it? Yeah, I read it too. 
What a dummy. <laughs> he didn't have the first clue. Not the first clue. He never says in there that God invented time. He never says it. The universe is time and space. That's God's creation. That's God's invention. And Hawking didn't know God, so he didn't know what he was talking about. How did I get on that? <laughs> oh, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. <laughs> Three men come to visit Abraham. And Abraham says, awesome. Come on in, guys. He tells Sarah, hey, Sarah, make some food. We've got some visitors. And then he sits down with the two angels and the Lord, and they eat a meal together. Is that great or what? I mean, oh, man. You know, you can't find a better book than the Bible. Amazing things happen in that book, like angels and God coming to have meals with you. It's amazing. <laughs> and... According to that account in Genesis 18, they spent a long time together. What were they doing? Fellowshipping. Fellowshipping. And then, after quite a long time, the three visitors decide to leave. And they get up to go. But Abraham says, man, I'm going with you. Let me walk you out. You know, like you visit one of the saints, they, they say, let me walk with you to your car. So he walks out with the, with, with the angels. So you got the angels, the Lord, and Abraham <coughs> taking a little walk. And then while they're there, you know, they've already left the house, the tent. Then the Lord says, how can I hide? from Abraham what's in my heart. This is my friend, Abraham. I need to tell him about Sodom and Gomorrah. I need to tell him because his nephew, Lot, lives in Sodom. So they have a very mysterious conversation. You read it when you get, read it tonight if you can. Neither one of them mentions Lot. But they both know they're talking about Lot. And, and Abraham, the way he... Okay, so then, Abraham intercedes for Lot without ever mentioning his name. He tells the Lord, he says, You know, Lord, you're, you're, you're righteous. You're, you're the righteous God. If, there ha if we could find 50 righteous people in Sodom, would you please not obliterate it? And the Lord said, no. So then Abraham, he lowers it. He's going, okay, okay. okay. Oh, oh, no, the Lord said, yes, pardon me. Yeah, the Lord said, sure, sure. If there's 50 righteous in Sodom, I won't, I won't destroy it. But Abraham already knows there aren't 50 righteous people in Sodom. And the, Lord, and the Lord also knows there are not 50 righteous people in Sodom. 
So Abraham says, <coughs> Lord, uh, <coughs> how about 40? What if we could find 40? The Lord said, sure, no problem. If we got 40, I will not blow up Sodom. Well, they, 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 this goes on and on and on because eventually there was only one righteous man in Sodom, according to the scriptures. Well, a few more. It was Lot and his family. Now, personally, I don't understand why the Bible says that Lot was righteous because, you know, Abraham and Lot were together for a long time. And then, you know, they got to the land and then Abraham, or they, Lot wanted to go his own separate way from Abraham. And he could have gone anywhere. He chose Sodom. It's like, huh, there's Sodom. I think that'd be a great place to raise my family. I think you've got to give Lot the award, the all-time award, worst dad in the Bible and worst dad in history. That'd be like going to the United States, looking around and going, oh, I know, the perfect place to raise my kids, Las Vegas. <laughs> so Lot takes his family to Sodom the most wicked city on the earth. Well, you know the rest of the story. God did destroy Sodom. But before he destroyed Sodom, he got Lot. And listen, the angels, according to the book of Genesis, the angels had to drag Lot out of Sodom. He didn't want to go. And his wife still loved Sodom so much that as soon as she got out, she wants to go back. She gets worse mother in the Bible <laughs> and in all of history because she didn't want to leave Sodom. So what does this story show us with Abraham? A lot of fellowship followed by a little bit of intercession. You know, Abraham did not wake up that morning and say to Sarah, Sarah, we, we need to pray for Lot. Lot's in trouble. <laughs> he had absolutely no intention of interceding for Lot. In fact, he didn't even know that Lot was in trouble. How did he discover that? He spent a lot of time there with the Lord. And at the very, 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 very end, I mean, like when he's walking away, he says, you know, I am going to destroy Sodom. Now Abraham realizes, okay, now I know what to pray for. My nephew is in Sodom. So, you know, I wanted to sing that hymn, 784, which was saying because it's just also written by Brother Lee, it tells you what that fellowship is like. What that fellowship is like that precedes 
intercession. Then, Genesis 18 is so wonderful. It doesn't say that Abraham left when Abraham had finished interceding for Lot. It doesn't say that. It says Abraham left when Jehovah finished speaking. Oh, it's like I said, here's what we do. We say everything we want to say, then amen. Bye-bye. See you later, Lord. He'd be like, uh, I, I, uh, excuse me, I had something I wanted to say, but you're gone. You're gone. How do you like these ten points? Appear before God. Calm down everything. Stop everything. Behold the beauty of the Lord. Inquire of Him. Wait on Him. Muse on Him. Worship Him. Praise Him. By the time you do that, you won't have an agenda. But out of your fellowship with Him, now you know what to pray. Just like Abraham. Abraham had no idea that he was going to end up praying for Lot. None. He got that out of his fellowship with the Lord. That's how it's, that's real prayer. You know, real prayer is not initiated by us. That's why I read that footnote. We do not initiate prayer. He does. So that already tells you most of what we call prayer isn't prayer. Because who initiated it? Now, please don't <clears throat> misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't pray. No, you should. We're, this is this is the goal. This is this is a <laughs> this is the writing of a mature God man. You know, we can practice it. We can enter into it. But we can also there's a there is a place for our prayer that we commonly call prayer right there is a place for that because when the Lord taught the disciples to pray at the end not the beginning at the end give us our daily bread what comes first oh father your name your name be sanctified. Oh, your will be done. Your kingdom come. That's what comes first. But then we also, he told us, pray. Lord, do not, please don't lead me into temptation because I'm probably going to fail. And give me my necessities. So, you know, we have burdens, we have concerns. I mean, we have some things that we already know we, we should pray, we should talk to the Lord about. So I don't discount that. I'm not saying this is 
the only thing you should ever do. No, 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 no. You need to pray for your kids. You need to pray for lots of things. I'm just saying, wouldn't it be great sometime to not pray for any of that stuff and just... Or, 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 or just wait to the end to pray for that stuff. Wait to the end. You know, when we have our prayer meeting in Seattle, which I am rarely in because I'm here and elsewhere, we try our best not to pray for all the little stuff at the beginning of the prayer meeting. We try our very best to spend a substantial portion. Now I'm talking about corporate prayer, not individual. We try to spend a substantial portion to pray important things like your name be sanctified, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. After we pray for the important things, we say, uh, Lord, there is the Young Adults Retreat this weekend. Uh, speak to the dear saints. We don't need to pray as much. You know, here's how we are. We find it really, really easy to pray for stuff like people, events, activities, meetings. Yet we find it almost impossible to do this. What's wrong with us? We don't know how to be with the Lord. We don't. So what do, what, what do we do? Remember, I, I'm going I'm to come back to husbands and wives. If I get home and I say to my wife, dear, would it be okay if we just sit here together in our living room and spend some time together, she's going to say, uh, no. No, she's going to say, that's exactly what I want. That's, I was just, you're so busy, Mark. You're, 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 <laughs> You're gone, you're doing this, you're that. I just would really like to just, just be with you for a period of time. She actually wants that as much or more than I do, right? And this is how the Lord is. If you say to him, Lord, I went to the young adults retreat I heard the message on prayer. I don't know how to do that. I don't do it. I haven't done it. But I would like to learn that because I want to know how to be with you. I want to know how to spend time with you. He's going to say, oh, that is music to my ears. That's yes, 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 I want to do that. And then, just practice. It's an exercise. You won't, and, and like I say, don't treat this like a method. 
okay, now let's just put the 10 points away. Let's make it very simple. Before you do what we typically call prayer, have a lot of fellowship with the Lord. The longer, the better. The longer, the better. Say, well, I can't do it long. That's okay. Can you do five minutes? Because five minutes is five minutes more than you're doing. You know, before you get to anything, fellowship with Him. And then, the more you practice it, you will find you can, you can fellowship with Him longer and longer, like Abraham, and longer. And you linger, you linger. I like that hymn, 812 or 813. 812. Lord, I would linger here, still seeking after Thee. Continue in Your Word and prayer till Thou dost flow through me. That's what we need to do. Linger. And you'll get used to it. You'll get used to it. And let me tell you, that kind of prayer, you will live to Him. You will live to Him. So, first of all, we need to be drawn by His love and constrained by His love. But then we need to be, we need to be captivated by His beauty. And that will only happen by spending time with Him. Uh, you can't fall in love with a person without spending time with them, can you? I get so scared when the young people tell me they met somebody on the internet. I'm like, please don't say that. <laughs> and please don't tell me, please, please, please don't tell me that you're going to marry that person. You've got to spend time with a person to have an intimate, loving relationship with that person. It's just how it works. It's no different with the Lord. It's no different. Why would it be different? He's a person. And he's a person who we're hoping, after message one, we're hoping, I sure hope that he would constrain me by his love so that I may live to him What's the next logical step here? Spend some time, Hector. Spend some time with him. That's where it's going to happen. That's where I'm going to... Hey, in 1978, you know what I was doing? I was fellowshipping with the Lord early in the morning in the brother's house before I went to, the, to school with 2 Corinthians 5. Boom! An atomic bomb went off that day. If I had not sat down in my living room by myself, stopping everything and spending time with the Lord, it wouldn't have happened. How could it? Is that going to happen while I'm walking to school? I don't think so. I don't think so. 
But where does this happen? In our fellowship with him. That's where it's going to happen. That's where he's going to captivate you. And you, you'll, you, you'll never want to get away. You, you just won't. Uh, okay, one last word. Oh, man. I said I wouldn't go as long. Well, we started late. I think. Um, One last word. Our consecration to the Lord has a motive, which is love, and it has a basis. The basis of our consecration is not love. The motive is love. The motive is love. The basis of our consecration has to be something that never, ever, ever changes. See, love can fluctuate. So can't be can't be the basis. Basis of our consecration is that he bought us. He purchased us with his blood. He redeemed us. So we don't belong to ourselves. And we realize I don't belong to myself. I belong to him. It is on that basis that I can tell him, Lord, I belong to you. My motive for saying that is, I love you, Lord. But sometimes I feel love, sometimes I don't. Hey, by the way, what's the basis of marriage? Is it love? No, it's not. It's not. Love is the motive. You know what the basis of marriage is? It's a covenant. It's a covenant between three parties, not two. It's a covenant between you two plus one, God. There's three people in this covenant. That's the basis. So if today I am unhappy with my wife or I do not feel very loving, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It never was and never will be the basis of our marriage. The basis is a covenant. You don't break that, especially when one of the people in the covenant is God. Why am I saying this? Because, yeah, yeah, we do need to be constrained by the Lord's love. We do. But just remember, whether we feel a lot of feeling or not, we can still choose this way. We just choose this way. Sometimes we'll have a lot of feeling, sometimes we won't. It, it, it doesn't matter. I don't need any feeling today to love my wife because it's not based on feelings. I already decided. I decided 40 years ago. I love this person and I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her. It doesn't matter how I feel today, not one little bit. That's how we need to be with the Lord, okay? All right, we still have two more sessions, so.
uh, the next two, I'll just say the next two will be longer. And then that way, when they're not longer, I'll be pretty good.